listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today we're going to be covering this topic, you saw it in the title, uh, Four Faith Killers That You've Got to Avoid. Now this is actually a very important topic because the Bible teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now that's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews eleven six. So if you, for those of you that are just coming on, uh, I'm going to be giving you some, uh, some scriptures, some references, uh, take some notes on this and, uh, and also pop it up in the comments for those that are watching later. But, uh, one of the things that I want to start by saying is that you can never underestimate the importance of faith. I want you to put that in the comments to start the day. You can never underestimate the importance of faith. What's up, Kristen? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so here's the key. And this is really what uh, we're dealing with. And it's important to deal with. If the devil can find a way to hijack your faith. Now, I want you to think about this on a deep level. If the devil can find a way to hijack your faith, then he also can hijack your ability to please the Lord. Think about that. If the devil can find a way to hijack your faith, He has a way to hijack your ability to please the Lord. That's an interesting thought. And you know, in all honesty, and I'm sure there are people that have covered that. I've never heard somebody come at it from that angle before. I I honestly, Tiff, have you, have you heard it from that? I've not heard it from that angle before, but, but it's interesting because when you look at Hebrews 11, six, and you understand that. In the absence of faith, there is no pleasing God. And so if the devil can find a way to hijack your faith, he can hijack your ability to please God. That's huge. That's huge. And so, you know, what's so crazy about it is that he, he, he doesn't come and and this is how the devil works. Always. He doesn't come directly at your faith. He doesn't come directly at your faith. He comes in a roundabout way, right? To affect something else that then indirectly affects your faith. So that's what he's doing. It's like a backdoor attack against your faith. And that's why it's so sly because, you know, we would just know it. You know, that's why, you know, he's not stupid. The Bible says that, you know, he's making plans. You know, he has the... Uh, the, the, the plans or the plots, the wiles of the devil. He, he makes plans. He makes plots. He is sneaky. There are things that he wants to do, but understand something. He'll never be so brazen 
that it's like right in front of your face. You're like, oh, I know what that is. He's trying to stop that. He always does it in a way that's deceptive so that he can uh, try to get you to the place where you miss out on what God has for you and ultimately displease the Lord. And so that's the key. So what I want you to see is that um, here, we're going to give you four of these ways that are really roundabout sneak attacks against your faith, but they are also faith killers, as you'll see from the word of God. They're roundabout sneak attacks, faith killers that will stop you from pleasing the Lord, obviously. And uh, so, so breaking it down, and also I want you to, uh, I want you to look at it because um, we've taken the time um, to do a lot of teaching on the subject of faith, which is extremely important because as I said, it's the main element that lets you please the Lord. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. In fact, those that are watching right now, I want you to put that in the comments section. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. That's very, very important. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. And so here's what we're talking about is once we realize that and we know how important it is to operate in it daily, we will guard every avenue so that the devil has no way to hijack or sabotage our ability to please God and our ability to receive the promises of God. And so these four that I'm getting ready to drop, you'll see it from scripture, how the enemy uses these, uses these to destroy your faith from being functional. Hmm. Do you know there's such a thing is as dead faith? <laughs> Think about this for a second. Did you know there's such a thing as dead faith? The Bible says it in the book of James, faith without works is dead being alone. That's an interesting thought. There's dead faith. That is just faith without works. According to the book of James, dead faith is faith without works. So there is such a thing as dead faith and dead faith doesn't function. It absolutely does not function. So what we're looking for is functional faith. We need functional faith. We want to see God move in our lives. We want to see him move in our families. We want to see him move in our bodies and in our minds, but it takes functional faith, faith with works that's alive. So there's living faith and there's dead faith. I want my faith to be alive. I want to see God moving in my family, in my life, in my ministry, in my business, in my mind, in my body, you see, but faith or living faith is the currency of the kingdom, not dead faith. In fact, the Bible's condemning their dead faith, obviously. So let's, let's jump into these because I'm give you these four enemies so that you can, you can clearly see it. Um, but I want to start with this one because I have seen it, um, pretty often as I travel, as I talk to believers going church to church, I'm, uh, dealing with people all the time. People want to stay around the altar. They want to talk. They want to tell you what's going on in their life. They want to, uh, get prayer, receive prayer. I love it. I love ministering to people, love praying for people, love seeing people built up in the kingdom. But one of the things I'm seeing that happens often, you know what it is? And you could probably identify some of you watching or listening. 
is that there are people throughout the entire body of Christ. They are Christians. I'm not saying they're not Christians. They're Christians, but they have an extreme feeling of unworthiness. The devil has done that to them. Hey, Alex. So notice that the devil has made them feel unworthy of God's presence, his power, his blessings, his promises, the covenant that they have. And so there's this, there's this feeling of uh, timidity or unworthiness. And you, you see it in people all the time. It's, it's, it's this feeling and what it does. And let me tell you what it does to you as a believer. It makes you not want to approach God because when you've got this feeling that I'm not worthy of his blessings, I'm not worthy of his power. I'm not worthy of his presence. It makes you not want to approach God. And that's, that's what the devil wants. He doesn't want you approaching God. Look at that. People in the, in the, uh, in the comments section are saying, I've been there. I've fought that and overcame it. I dealt with that. That was my story. So, so you know exactly what I'm talking about is that the devil will use your past. He'll use things that you've done in the past. He'll use where you came from. He'll use problems that you've dealt with in the past. And then what does he do with them? Makes you try, tries to make you feel unworthy of God's glory, of God's power, of God's blessings. And it's a trick. It's an absolute trick. And I'm going to show you how in this, in the first point. And and so look at that. Jennifer said, that was my story too. People have dealt with this all through the body of Christ. And it absolutely is a plot or a ploy to get us to miss out on God's presence. So let's, let's look at this now in Hebrews. We're back in the book of Hebrews and uh, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter four. Now here's, here's what it stops you from doing. Hebrews chapter four, put it in the comments, verse 16, uh, yeah, verse 16, Hebrews four sixteen. Now, here is the result of that unworthy feeling that the devil tries to put on you. And it's so dangerous. It says in Hebrews 4, 16, let us then with confidence, look at that, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Do you see how tricky that is? Because the devil doesn't have to stop you from having faith. It's just, he can stop you from activating your faith or using your faith. And then it's just as good as not having it at all. Because James said, faith without works is dead. So what he does, you could have faith built up in you. But then if you don't have the boldness that goes along with it, if you don't have the confidence, then you won't step out to take action on the faith that you already have, which makes it dead faith, right? What good is it? And James says this, what good is faith if it doesn't have any works attached to it? Can it do anything if it's alone without works? No, the, the answer there is no, it's a rhetorical question. So the point is that the devil knows if I can get these people to feel unworthy, if I can get these people to feel timid, so that they don't approach the throne, so that they don't approach their heavenly father, that they don't ever ask him for his blessings, that they don't ever stand on his word and expect to have a turnaround. 
if I can just get them to feel out of place, if I can just get them to feel as though they aren't qualified to receive his goodness, then it's the same as not having faith at all. Man, that's huge. It's the same as not having faith at all because we didn't use it for anything. And so look what it says. Here's the command to us as believers. Let us with confidence, there's the key. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There is the answer. There's the answer. And so how do we do that? So let, let me break this down now that we know it because the Bible tells us, and Paul wrote to Timothy and said to him, this is second Timothy one seven. And you guys, you guys know this verse. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you, John up there in British Columbia. Bless you, man. So notice that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And so we've got to understand right off the bat that if we ever feel that way, remember this, if I ever feel unworthy, it's not God making me feel that way. Put that in the comments. If I ever feel unworthy, it's not God making me feel that way. If I ever feel unworthy, it is never God making me feel that way because God doesn't do that. God won't do that because if he did that, he would be violating his own word. If God actively made you feel unworthy, he would be violating his own word. If I ever feel unworthy, it's not God making me feel that way. It's the devil. It's the devil. And and let me show you why this is the case. I want to show you why it's true. Well, it's true because of our new creation realities. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. The reason that it's never God making us feel that way is because of what he's already done in us and through us by Jesus. So it can't be God. You can rule him out immediately. If you ever feel that way, rule him out. Because what he'd be doing is working against what he did in you through Jesus. Look at this now, 2 Corinthians 5. The Bible says in verse 17, which you know very well, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old life is gone and a new life has come. Hallelujah. Now let's drop down to verse 21. (laughs) I want you to see this because here's how you can be sure. You can be absolutely sure that it is not God doing this to you, making you feel this way. Look at verse 21 of chapter five. That's right, Melissa, a new species of being. It was for our sake that he made him to be sin who knew no sin 
So let me take the pronouns out and put proper names. For, it was for our sake that God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. So that in Jesus or in him, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, there you go. There you go. This right here shatters that whole lie about you. This one verse shatters that whole lie about your life. Because if you ever feel unworthy of God's goodness, his mercy, his presence, his blessings, whatever it is that the devil's trying to do, remember this. God is the one who made you worthy. (laughs) So what do you think? God's going to work against himself. God's not going to work against himself. God's not double-minded and God is not schizophrenic. He's not, he doesn't battle multiple personality disorder. God's not going to work against himself. I want you to put it in the comments. God is the one who made me worthy. That's great thought right there. God is the one who made me worthy. How did he do it? By making you the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. By making you. It says that though there was one who knew no sin, God made him to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So when we came into Jesus, we became the righteousness of God in Christ. We became that. We're not going to become that. It's what we already are. Listen to me. This is why once you get saved, and this needs to be taught, that's why we're including it in our discipleship courses, needs to be taught. You don't need to go down to the altar every week and get saved over and over again. You don't have to keep going. You know, that's, that's one of the things that you see happen when somebody uh, is newly saved. You know, they, they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They come to the altar, give their heart to the Lord. And then you could see them that next Sunday. You know, maybe they made some mistakes through the week. They're back at the altar getting saved all over again. Well, the reason they are is because no one has yet taught them what it means to transition from the old life into being a new creature, the righteousness of God in Christ. Now we just say, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness. If we make a mistake, he's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We'll confess our sins. So what do we do? We ask for forgiveness. Didn't take me back into being a sinner again. And I got to get saved all over again. It's just, I made the mistake. I missed the mark. And now I ask for forgiveness, but I didn't transition out of my salvation, right? Think about this. You, you don't transition out of your covenant every time you make a mistake. Think about that. You don't transition And I'm not teaching or preaching this as an excuse to live in sin or to sin or any of those hyper grace thoughts. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is the reason that people who are newly saved many times continually go back to the altar every week to get saved. Nobody's taught them this discipleship principle that once you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, you have a covenant with God. He has made you to be. He has made you to be. You didn't make yourself righteous. He made you righteous through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Just knowing that one fact that I didn't make me righteous 
God made me righteous through Jesus Christ is an empowering thought. Because remember this, my righteousness is not based upon my own actions. That's a powerful thought right there. That's a powerful thought right there. My righteousness is not based upon my actions. Now, my holiness is, that's a different thought. My holiness, which are actions of obedience to the word, that's holiness. So holiness deals with actions. Righteousness deals with position. Think about that. Righteousness is your position. Holiness is the actions you take from that position. That's good. That'll help you to see this now. Righteousness is your position. You are standing in right standing with God. I am in right standing with God. That's righteousness. It's a position where you are. But holiness is the actions you take from that position. They're not the same thing. Holiness and righteousness are not the same thing. Can a righteous person take an unholy action? Yes. That's why they ask for forgiveness. Because you can be standing in a place of righteousness and make a mistake. You can have an unholy uh, action come out of your life. Now, that's not supposed to be your norm or what flows from your life. We're dealing with 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Melissa, that he made you to be the righteousness of God in Christ. But holiness is the actions of obedience to God's word that you take. Unholiness is, is, is actions of disobedience, even if you're in a position of righteousness, which it shouldn't be your... It shouldn't be your normative lifestyle. You should repent, turn, the Bible says, and return unto God. But notice this, it's not, for example, if it wasn't possible for Christians to sin, why did Paul spend so much time writing back to the churches in his letters, encouraging them not to live in sin? Because he understood that it's possible for a Christian, a person who has been placed into a position of righteousness to take unholy actions. Of course that's possible. That's why God's given us the gift of repentance and forgiveness because it's obviously possible for Christians to sin. That's why Paul wrote back to so many and said, don't continue to live the way you used to live, but now live according to your new position. That's what Romans chapter six was dealing with. The whole sixth chapter of Romans is dealing with that thought. So not a lifestyle of sin, exactly, but rather if a mistake is made, you repent, turn away, and keep moving forward. That's exactly it, Christina. Exactly it. One mistake, it's not taking you out of your position. It's not stealing your salvation from you. You repent and move forward. It's like, for example, if, if my wife and I were to get into a fight, it doesn't mean we're not married anymore just means there needs to be apologies made and we need to come back into fellowship. We may have lost fellowship, but we didn't lose our covenant. You see what I mean? And it's the same in salvation that you can lose your fellowship. You got to come back in through repentance and forgiveness, but you didn't lose your covenant. And I'm not saying I'm somebody that believes you can never lose your salvation or walk away from it because I do believe you can. 
And I do believe we saw examples in the Bible of that happening. But the point I'm making is if people would understand their righteous position, if people would understand their righteous position in Christ, it would give them the boldness that they need to approach the throne of God. See, because once you understand, I'm not righteous because of anything I've done. That's a huge thought that we've got to get. I'm not righteous because of anything I've done. You know what? You want to know what God likens your righteousness to? In the Old Testament, the Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags. Now that's how, uh, that is how uh, it was translated in one translation. If you want to know the literal of that, and excuse me if this is offensive to you or if this is a little bit uh, too much or TMI, <laughs> but this is exactly what the Hebrew says. Your righteousness is like used menstrual cloths. That's the exact rendering of that verse. Your righteousness is like used menstrual cloths. That's exactly. And and of course, if you understand the Old Testament and the law of Moses, you know that any woman who was at that time of the month was considered unclean and literally had to purify herself. And if you were unclean by any excretion of your body, you were marked unclean and had to be outside the camp. And so what was God saying to his people? Your own attempts at righteousness are unclean and are filthy. They're not righteousness. You think they are, but they're not. They're filthy rags. And so human righteousness is filthiness. But then the Bible says God gave us his righteousness. That's powerful, man. God gave us his righteousness. That's the difference. We don't have human righteousness. God has given us his righteousness, which is perfect. It's perfect. So what does the Bible say? It says that so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God, not human righteousness, the righteousness of God. So think about that. He transferred to you and put in your account, perfect heavenly righteousness and made you to be that. You didn't make yourself that. Woo, glory to God. That's powerful, man. Come on. Look at, look at Ephesians one. This'll, this'll get you shouting when you start to see this. Ephesians chapter one. (laughs) I love it. Actually, let's go to Ephesians chapter two. Um, If you go down to Ephesians two, verse eight and nine, let me read you this because this will get you ready to run around your house or your workplace. Paul writes Ephesians two, eight and nine for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, man. Stop right there. That's powerful. That that's a, that's a revelation people need to get. People need to get that. You've been saved by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. (laughs) It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. Now look at verse nine not a result of works so that nobody can boast. Do you realize nobody can brag about their salvation? Nobody can brag about their salvation. You know why? Because they didn't do anything. It's not them. 
It's not your own works. Has nothing to do with your own works. So you can't boast about it. You can't brag about it. You can say, well, the reason I'm going to heaven and you're not is because I was able to take actions that you weren't able to take. Nope. Had nothing to do with you according to scripture. Nothing to do with you. It's not about works lest any man should boast. It's simply by grace through faith. That's it. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. God made you worthy. God made you the righteousness that he created. Perfect righteousness. So you know with that, with that knowledge, with that knowledge, you can now approach the throne of grace. My goodness. I might stay right here on this whole thought for this broadcast. That's how powerful this is. That's how powerful this is right here. You couldn't do it. You didn't do it. You couldn't earn your own salvation. You couldn't take actions that brought you salvation. You were dead, literally dead in trespasses and in sins. That's what the Bible says. (laughs) You were dead. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two. I'll go back to it. Verse one. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Look at the, but verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Whoo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, and it's the exact opposite, Nancy. We haven't worked hard for our salvation. We've done no work at all. We've done no work at all, or else we could boast about it. Look at this. He said, but God, being so rich in mercy, with the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace, you've been saved. Now we're back to eight and nine again. I want you to think about this for a second. You, if you know what the Bible says about people that are dead in sin, do you know what it says? That number one, their minds have been darkened. They think the things of God are foolishness. They are at enmity with God or they're enemies of God. They're dead. So they're spiritually dead. They think the things of God are foolishness. They fight back against God. You go through all the things about their minds have been darkened. Go go to all the things the Bible says about people dead in trespasses and in sins. And then think to yourself, how does a dead person, here's the question you really need to ask. How does a dead person whose mind is darkened, who thinks the things of God are foolishness, who is at enmity with God, fighting against God, opposing the things of God, how does that individual do any work to gain salvation? There is nothing they can do. That's what this is all about. That's what this scripture is teaching us. There's nothing a person like that can do. A dead person can't have faith. A dead person can't believe in God. A dead person can't do any of that. They think the things of God are foolishness. Their minds have been darkened. They're fighting against God. They're at enmity with God. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. 
by his great love with which he loved us, that even when we were dead in trespasses and in sins, he made us alive. You see that? He made us alive. Glory to God. See, the thing is this, when you start thinking like the devil wants you to think that and put, puts all that guilt in your mind and shame and puts all those things in your spirit, man, so that you don't approach God, he's got you really thinking, and it's really, sadly, it's really a place, if you think about it, of secret pride because it makes us think that there's something that we did to be in a place of God's goodness. So now there's a thing that we can do that really makes us uh, not in the place of God's goodness. Now, again, you have to be mature to hear this because I'm not preaching or teaching a hyper grace message. I'm not teaching or preaching you to you that actions of holiness are not necessary. I'm not teaching that at all. I'm talking about people before they were saved. The danger is thinking like this after you get saved. Please understand the difference. I'm talking about sinners. I'm not talking about Christians. If you were a sinner, there was nothing you could do to get saved. You you realize that. That's what the Bible's teaching. There was nothing you could do to get saved. God is the one who initiated salvation. It's not by any works. There's no works a person can do to get saved. That's what the, I don't know if you know this, if you study church history, that's what the whole Protestant Reformation was about. That's why Martin Luther nailed his thesis to the door. That's why he did it. The Reformation to come out of the Catholic Church, which was based upon works. The Catholic Church, and still to this day, is basing salvation and righteousness upon works, natural works. And it's heresy. The Bible doesn't teach that works give you salvation. It teaches that grace and faith bring you salvation. And that's what the Reformation was about. That's why we needed a reformation so that people would properly understand how you get saved. There's no dead man that can perform works to bring himself alive. And that's what the scripture's teaching. God with his great love, wherewith he loved us. Woo, glory to God. With the love with which he loved us. (laughs) I love that. Even when we were dead, even when we were dead, made us alive together. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he could show us the immeasurable uh, riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's by grace you've been saved. Hmm. Through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but by the gift of God. That's powerful. That is powerful. <laughs> Whoo, Hallelujah. So notice this now, when we go back to second Corinthians, you have this understanding that what Paul's talking about is that you are not standing in your own righteousness. It's righteousness. That's been given to you. It's been given to you. That's the whole point of salvation. God made me what I could never be on my own. He created me into what I could never have attained by my own natural strength or action. And because he did now, Now, here's what really will get it into your mind. If you think that you cannot approach the throne of grace because of whatever guilt, shame, whatever it is that the devil's trying to use against you, then you need to stop and think to yourself this thought. 
Is God's work in me not good enough? Put that in the comments as a question. Is God's work in me not good enough? How many of you believe God is a bad worker? Put it in the comments. Is God's work in me not good enough? Think about it. And I want you to write it. Is God's work in me not good enough? Do you think God failed when he made you a new creature in Christ Jesus? What do you think? He made you some kind of a subpar creature in Christ? No, he didn't fail when he brought you into the kingdom. He didn't fail when he raised you to new life in Christ. He didn't fail. He didn't fail. God's work is more than good enough. So here becomes the uh, answer to this main question about faith. Don't ever feel like you cannot approach God's throne of grace and take action on your faith because of unworthiness or timidity, because here is the key. This is the key. His work is good enough. It is far more than good enough. His work is perfect. He does all things well. <laughs> and so that means the righteousness that he placed upon you made you to be who he wanted you to be. Whoo, glory to God. What he put on you and in you made you to be what he wanted you to be. Can I show you the moment that it was available to you? This is a powerful uh, verse of scripture. Listen to this. Go to Luke. I believe it's 23. Yeah. Hmm. Luke chapter 23. Let me show you exactly where this happened for you and for me. Luke 23 and verse 44, that's it, Linan, Philippians 1, 6, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. It's exactly right. So listen to Luke 23, and I'm starting with 44. It was now about the sixth hour, which is about noon, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. There it is right there. That was the moment it was becoming available for you. The sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Two, and Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you read other, um, if you read other um, versions of this in the Synoptic Gospels, you know what happened when he did that? The earth shook and graves opened and holy men and women got out of their tombs. But notice what happened when he gave up the ghost. The curtain of the temple was torn into two pieces. 
the curtain separated God's presence from everybody else because the glory of God's presence was too much for unsaved people to bear. So the priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies by himself and go in and make intercession for God's people. But they couldn't just run in and out of his presence. His presence was too much. But look at what Jesus was doing and saying as God ripped this up. It wasn't a man that ripped it up. God ripped it up. He took that curtain that was the separation between his presence and mankind. I hope you can feel how strong this is today. He took that curtain, which was a separation between his presence and the rest of mankind, and he tore it in half and released his presence into the earth for all of mankind. See, in the Old Testament, it was only the priest that could go into the holy place. But we read in the New Testament that he has made us a kingdom of priests unto God. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) That's powerful, man. He's made every one of us a kingdom of priests. That means every one of us can go into the presence. Every one of us can go into the holy place. In fact, he didn't just make us a kingdom of priests. Think about this. He made every one of us a temple. Glory to God. He made every one of us a temple. We are the temple. Let me take you there. Let me take you there. This will help you to see what I'm talking about. First Corinthians chapter six. Look at first Corinthians six, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So do you see this? He didn't just make you a priest in the kingdom, whether you're a man or woman, it makes no difference. Man or woman, doesn't matter. You are a priest unto God. But he didn't stop by making you a priest. He made you also a temple so that the Holy Spirit of God could dwell inside your body. Glory to God. Put this in the comments. I'm a priest and a temple. I'm a priest and a temple. That'll get you stirred up. I am a priest and a temple. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He did that for us. Ripped the curtain in half, released his glory, and then after his resurrection gave us the ability to become his children. And then he didn't just make us a priest with that. See, because we had to be a priest in order to have access to his presence. Didn't just make us a priest made us a temple so that he could live inside of our bodies. 
Hallelujah. A priestly temple. That's who we are. Let me, let me just give you something. If the devil ever comes at you again and tries to make you feel timid or were unworthy or out of position or unqualified to ask God, to approach God, to walk in the power of God, say it out loud, wherever you are, I'm a priest and a temple. Hallelujah. I'm a priest and a temple. Mm -hmm. And you need to say it. You should say it every day. I'm a priest. I'm a temple. I'm a priest. I'm a temple. Because here's the real deception, right? The real deception is position. Because we've got this thought, like we're down here on the earth and we're begging God who's up in heaven to come down and touch us, come down and help us, come down and deliver us, come down and, and we've got this position deception that we're down here begging and he's up there waiting to release a blessing. And that's not what the Bible teaches. First of all, it teaches that we are already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we are literally at the right hand of God because we're part of his body. Christ's body, we're the body of Christ. We are seated on a throne at the right hand of the Father. That's who we are, that's where we are. So we're already in position there, far above all, far above all. But then look at this. Not only that, it's like we're begging for his presence. I'm not begging for his presence. His presence is living in my belly. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In us is where the temple of God is. This is, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's already in you. He's already in you. You're not, listen to me, listen to me carefully. You're not begging God for his presence. You're not like the woman with the issue of blood that's trying to push through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. He is in your body today. His spirit is living in your body. You are the home of God. <laughs> I mean, the Bible teaches us that so we have an understanding of position. I'm not trying to get to Jesus. I'm not trying to access God's presence. I'm not way down here and he's way up there and I'm looking for help and looking for an answer. No, no. It's 1 Corinthians six nineteen is so powerful because it shows us we are the temple of the living God. We are priests and we are temples. We are priests and we are temples. Are you catching this today? Is anybody being helped today? Is anybody being stirred up today? Is anybody being encouraged today? If you are, throw some hands up. Because I'm feeling this right here where I'm at in the studio. Is that we have access. We have access to his presence daily. We're in it. We're in it. He's in us. We're in him. He's in us. We're in him. Glory to God. He's in us. We're in him. And this is, see, this is one of the dangerous things the devil tries to use to stop our faith from functioning. It's a position deception. Position deception. You're unworthy. God doesn't want you in his presence. Sucker, I'm already in his presence already in it. He lives in me. 
He lives in me. I'm not out of his presence. I'm in his presence. I'm already a priest. I'm already a temple. (laughs) I'm already a priest. I'm already a temple. So Nathan asked the question, what does it mean that we are priests, like literal priests of the most high, like Melchizedek? So if you think about it, Christ is our high priest, but we all, as one of the reasons we call this the victory tribe is because once you come into Christ, you are all from the same tribe, which is the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe that Christ came from. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So every one of us have come from the same tribe as Christ because we're in Christ. We're a part of the body. So he can't be, notice this, as he is, so are we in this world. It's impossible for Christ to be victorious and us not be victorious. It's impossible for Christ to be in heavenly places and us not being in heavenly places. See, because what he is, we are. If Christ is a priest, we are also priests. You understand? Because we're in him. We're in him. If Christ is a priest, we are also priests. And God made us, the Bible says, to be a kingdom of priests. That's his order. In order to get into his presence, that's, the, that's where you've got to be. That's who you have to be. And notice, as I said, that's why I told you to confess it and say that in your mouth. I'm not just a priest, I'm a temple. I'm not just a priest, I'm a temple. And so I've got both. I have position and I'm the dwelling place. You couldn't even be the dwelling place without the position. You have to have both or the Holy Spirit can't dwell in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in sinners, right? He doesn't dwell in sinners. He dwells in believers. So if you didn't have the position, you couldn't have the filling of his presence in you. As he is, so are we in this world. And see, here's one of the main areas. And it's amazing. So many of you, uh, and thank you for sharing it. You've put it in the comments, many of you. This is what I was dealing with. This is what I went through. This is where the devil tried to deceive me. This is what I fought with in my own life. And many of you are saying that. And I understand that because I've seen it all over the country and all over the world. That people deal with this thought many, many times. And I, and I pray when I show them. It's not just about uh, prayer because prayer prayer is not going to change this. Right? If you're a Christian, I don't need to pray anything over you about this. I don't have to pray that God would make you righteous. I don't have to pray that God would make you or put you in position or give you a spirit. It's you've already got it. The key, that's why we need teaching and preaching. That's what discipleship's all about. We need teaching and preaching. Our faith is not only built by teaching and preaching, but our understanding grows through teaching and preaching. And that's why I come on here every weekday in the morning to give you teaching and preaching. Because one of the things that you need to see is you're in, and I'm sure you guys could by a showing of hands could uh, testify to this. But since you've been a part of the victory tribe, since you've been a part of the broadcast, your understanding of the word of God has grown and grown and grown and grown. I'm sure that you understand that. And that's what we're to do. That's one of my assignments as a five-fold ministry gift is to perfect the saints. 
is to continue to bring you into greater levels of knowledge of God's word so that you can be equipped for every good work so that you can be in position to conquer, to be victorious wherever you are. You're the victory tribe. You're victorious wherever you go. And the Bible says, and this is one of the reasons that we launched Miracle Word University is because the Bible says in the Old Testament, my people, God said this, my people, thank you, Megan, are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You see that Hosea four, six, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And so you understand that when you get that divine knowledge from the word of God, it builds you up and keeps you from being able to be destroyed your faith. And I mean, not, not only can I feel it, I know it because the Bible says it today. Your faith is going to another level. Everybody watching this and listening on the podcast, your faith is going to another level today because you're receiving teaching from the word of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So your faith has gone to another level today already. You're going, you're going to go through the rest of this day with new faith, new strengthened faith. It's being added to you. You're being raised up to another level. You're not moving backwards. You're moving forwards. Hey, Brittany, your faith is going to another level. You're already at a different place. You don't have to hope that you're increasing. You've already increased today. Wednesday, March the 10th, 2021, you've already increased. I'm looking at the clock. You're already on another level from where you were an hour ago. I want you to think about that. You're already on another level from where you were an hour ago. And see, that's why we teach these things because we are equipping you by the power of God. We're equipping you. We're bringing you up to another place because you're not going to fail. You're going to succeed. You're going to be victorious in all that you set your hand to do in Jesus name. But it's why we launched Miracle Word University because I was frustrated with the level of people's faith and the fire of people that, you know, they'd come to the altar, get saved, want to go to Bible school and come out cold. I was like, Lord, where's the Pentecostal teachers? So we launched Miracle Word University to not only teach you, but to fill you with the strength and the fire of God. I'll tell you what I'm going to do today for everybody because we're talking about faith. One of the courses we have in the, in the university is called Mountain Moving Faith. And I'll tell you, I'm going to give you this today for everybody that's watching this broadcast or listening to this podcast. I've got a special code that I'll give you for just today for those of you that are on with me now. Uh, if you use code March 10, March 10, uh, on this course, Mountain Moving Faith, I'll give you $10 off of the course um, just for us that are on this broadcast and podcast. You can get it at miraclewordu.com. Uh, but this is over five hours of teaching on the subject of mountain moving faith. This right here, mountain moving faith. So if you use that code March one zero, when you check out, I'll give you $10 off the course, which drops it down to like $59 and you can get that five hours of teaching. Well, wow, look at that. What a coincidence. Shantae Bond with the exact same cash app as 50 other people that comment on this broadcast. We really believe that you're a single mom with kids that need help when you use the exact same cash app as 50 other accounts. Yep. So March 10 is the code. March 10. If you'd like to get $10 off, 
You can go to miraclewordu.com, choose that, and use March 1-0 when you check out. I'll give you $10 off just today for those of you that are on here and those listening on the podcast. And it'll bless you because you'll get all this teaching about how to operate a mountain moving faith and it'll raise you up to another place. See, our faith needs to rise, especially in times like we're going through now in America and around the world. You got in, in nations like Canada, hear what I'm saying. In nations like Canada, you've got preachers in jail for doing nothing but preaching the gospel in their churches. And they've got him in jail. In jail. Pastor Coates is in jail for preaching the gospel. You'd th- that ain't Saudi Arabia. That's not China. That's Canada. That's Canada. They arrested Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, tried to arrest others. Why? Because there is an attack against the people of God. If you don't think there's a coordinated attack against the church from an antichrist system, there is. And more than ever before, we need to rise up. We need to rise up in faith and be bold and approach the throne of grace that we might find what? Help. Help in the time of need. I would call this a time of need. I don't know about you. I mean, if you're one of those like me, throw a hand or a fist or something in the comments. If you would consider 2021 and 2020 a time of need, I would say it is. We need God's power more now than we ever have. I would call it a time of need, which means I'm going to boldly approach the throne of grace. I need his help. I need his power. I need his glory. So what am I going to do? I'm going to boldly approach his throne and say, you know what? Lord, we need you now more than ever, but it takes faith to do so. It takes boldness to do so. And I will never allow the devil to make me feel unworthy when God made me worthy to approach his throne. He gave me his righteousness. He gave me his nature. He gave me his power. He gave me his glory. And he said, come and be in my presence. Seated me on a a throne in heaven at his right hand. Put his spirit in my body. Now we've got a treasure hidden in earthen vessels. That's the Holy Ghost. And so I won't sacrifice that to some deceptive spirit that tries to make me feel like I don't have, I'm not worthy to stand in God's presence. What a lie. You are worthy. He made you worthy. His work in you is masterful. You're not dead anymore. You're alive in Christ. Hallelujah. You're alive in Christ. Now, let me give you the other three quickly because I told you I would, I'm not going to make this false advertising but I'm not going to teach on them. I'm just going to give them to you because I told you I'd give you four faith killers, four faith killers. I spent the whole broadcast talking about uh, feelings of unworthiness because that's where the Holy ghost was on today. But let me give you the other three. Now, number one was feelings of unworthiness. Got to get that out of your spirit. The second enemy of faith, a faith killer is sin. It's sin. The Bible says Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, Romans 14, 23. It'll stop your prayers from being answered. It'll stop your faith from working. And so when I was talking about holiness is different than righteousness. Righteousness is your position. 
Holiness is your actions. Righteousness is your position. That was point number one. You're worthy. But holiness is your actions. Those are the choices you make in life. Will you choose to obey God's word? That's the second thing that's an enemy of faith. Number three, double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. Wavering back and forth. God will do it. Well, I don't know if he will do it. God will do it. I don't know if he will do it. He's a healer. I don't know if he really wants to heal everybody. He's a healer. Oh, he's a deliverer. He's a provider. Oh, I don't know if he'll provide for me. Going back and forth. Double-mindedness. Be single-minded. This is what God said. This is what he meant. This is what I believe. I reject everything else. Because the Bible says in uh, James 1, 6 through 8, that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Do not let that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. So I want you to see it. Double-mindedness, wavering back and forth, is a faith killer. It's a faith killer that will stop faith from working in your life. It'll stop it immediately in its tracks from working in your life. So notice this, the devil doesn't have to get you to not hear a scripture preached or not hear a message on Sunday or not listen to preaching and teaching. All he's got to do is maybe insert somebody into your life to say some other things that'll make you feel like, well, yeah, maybe that's not for today. Maybe that's not for everybody. Maybe the reason I haven't gotten my healing yet is because, you know, God doesn't really want to heal me or it's, you know, he's putting me through this for his own purposes or, and all the devil has to do is just to get you to think other things about God. Double-mindedness, double-mindedness. The fourth thing is this, not walking in love. This is a huge one. And see, isn't that interesting? Because in our minds, many times we don't connect the two. Sometimes we don't connect them. We think of faith over here and love over here, but they're one and the same. They work together. Galatians 5 and verse 6, faith works by love. Faith works by love. Notice what Jesus told his disciples after teaching them how to pray in Mark 11, 23 and 24. He then goes on in verse 25 and says, and when you stand praying, forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive you. So in the same context of how to pray and move mountains, he said, you have to walk in forgiveness. (laughs) You can't hold grudges and have your faith work. You can't be mad at others and hold things against them and have your faith work. It will stop your faith from working. If you don't walk in love, if you don't forgive, if you don't take actions of love as Christ would, your faith will stop in its tracks. Faith works by love. You got to walk in love. There is no other way. (laughs) And I love this because here's the the, the deception of the devil is that we feel like we have the right to be angry at people. We have the right to hold stuff against people because of what they did to me. And let me tell you, he did this to me. And so I'm done. And people hold that. They hold it in their heart. Sometimes they don't even know they're holding it in their heart. Can I give you a hint? Can I give you a hint? Here's a way that you'll know. This is just a little practical trick. 
that you're, you might be holding something against somebody. Here's a way to know. If any time you think of that person, you get angry or irritated. Let me give you that. Any time you think of that person, not even talk to them, not even hang out with them, not even go out, see them at a place, just thinking of them, and you get angry or irritated in, your, in yourself, that's a sign that you might be holding something against that person in your own life. That's a sign. I've learned that. That should be a red flag to you. If you think of or somebody pops into your mind and you immediately get irritated or mad, that's a sign. Watch that. Watch that. And if that happens to you, if that happens to you, take a minute to pray and say, Lord, whatever that is that's in my heart, whatever that is that's in my spirit against that person, remove it today. If I'm holding something against them, I forgive them today. I release myself from it, whatever that is that's trying to build up in my heart or my spirit against them. Lord, I release it. I pray you. And then just start praying, God, will bless them. Yeah, that's right, Kayla. You, you just start praying for them. They'll change your heart. You can't stay angry at a person you pray for consistently. Pray that God will uh, bless them. Pray that God would increase them. Pray that God would heal them. Pray that God would use them. Pray that God would anoint them. I mean, just go to praying for them. What you're doing is you're actually not only helping them because you're praying, you're helping you. I'm helping me because before I could tell something's up, I'm, I'm, I get irritated when I think of that person. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to get whatever that is in my heart out of my heart. I'm going to walk in love and forgive so that my faith can work. I need my faith to work because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for those of you that are watching today. I want to ask the Lord. See, because I didn't realize that, but I know that's, that's how the Holy Ghost works. He knows what people need to hear. And if you're led by the Spirit, you'll always be in the right place. And thank God we were led by the Spirit today because look how many of you wrote in the comments and then forget people that didn't write it, but still dealt with it that knew this is something you've battled. This is something you've dealt with personally. I pray that this teaching today has not only opened your eyes to some things, but built faith in your heart. But I'm going to pray for you right now that whatever lie that the devil planned and sent at you to try to steal your confidence, your boldness in the kingdom, it shattered today in Jesus name. Father, I'm praying for every man, every woman, watching this broadcast or listening on the podcast that the enemy has planned this lie, told them they're unworthy, told them they're unqualified, told them that they're not welcome in the presence of God. And so as a result, they've stayed out. They've not gone after it like they should. They've not come into the throne room and looked for help in the time of need. I pray that every lie would be shattered today by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let this word, Lord, that we preach today, not only go into their heart and build faith, but open their eyes to the deceptions of the enemy and shatter them by the power of your word and the power of your spirit in Jesus name. Now, Lord, give every one of us today 
a brand new boldness in the Holy Ghost. It's what Paul prayed. And as Paul prayed, Lord, we pray, grant unto us boldness that we may proclaim the mysteries of the gospel, attack our purpose, go after what you've called us to do and to petition you, Lord, for help and strength in Jesus name. I ask you today, Lord Jesus, I ask you touch every one of us with a fresh fire of your Holy Spirit. Use us for your glory. Lord, whatever it is that the enemy tried to use, whether it's offense, grudges, unforgiveness, whatever it is the enemy tried to put inside of us to keep us from walking in love, burn that out today by the power of the Holy Spirit and put perfect love for our brothers and our sisters in our spirits. And I pray in Jesus' name that our love would cause our faith to be reactivated. We'll not have dead faith, but living faith in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. We give you glory. You get all the praise for all that you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you believe that, honestly, if you receive that prayer today, I want you to throw some fire up in the comment section, some hands up and receive it. Even say it where you are. I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. This is going to be your story. Your faith is going to manifest at another level in 2021. That's my belief. Your faith is going to manifest at another level in 2021 by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Your faith is going to be at another level. Manifestations and demonstrations of the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. We're getting ready to hit the road again. I'm not stopping. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not stopping. I'm not taking my foot off the gas pedal. I'm not going to slow down. I'm going to go after souls. I'm going to go after this spirit of antichrist that's trying to stop what God's doing. Do you know what encourages me? God opened the doors and we never, we, we traveled probably more in 2020 than in other years previously. Even when stuff was trying to be shut down, we went hard. We went hard. There was times we were out for weeks and weeks and weeks without ever coming home. And I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. And I know you feel the same. And that's why I'm encouraging you. We got more revivals coming up. There's stuff getting scheduled all the time. Every, every day we got new people calling, new doors opening up. We're not stopping. We're, we can't because Jesus is coming. And here's what I'm in, I want to ask you to do today. If you feel the same in your spirit, if you feel that burden for souls, if you feel the power of God moving you to change this generation, I'm going to ask you to sow, to, sow today a seed, a seed of faith. Listen to me. I know that you can't all, nobody can just quit their job and then just full-time be in all these revival. I understand you've got responsibilities. You work a job. You've got a purpose. You've got a family. You've got a ministry. But what you can do is attach your wealth, attach your finances to the kingdom of God. So I'm putting a challenge out today because we're getting ready to hit the road again and we're going to have revival. We're going to see God move. You're a part of that. Your faithfulness you take part in what God does through Miracle Word Ministries. You are part of the Victory Tribe. I, I look at you like David's mighty men. Like I said yesterday, the special forces in the kingdom. And so I want to challenge you right now today to sow a seed of faith 
as we're attacking, we're attacking the spirit of Antichrist. Let me tell you something. I've got no plans to defend. I'm not defending anything. I'm on the offense. You're on the offense. Let me just give you a thought. Thank you, Mario. Let me just give you a thought. If all God wanted us to do was to defend, then when he gave us the armor of God, he would have just given us armor and a shield. But he didn't just give us armor and a shield. He put a sword in our hand, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. And you know what that means? He wants us to be on the offense. Thank you, Doreen. You can see the ways to give on the screen. You know how to do it. You're part of the tribe. But I want you to hear me today. We're on the offense. We're, we're, I'm out looking for a fight. You're out looking for a fight. I'm looking for an opportunity to stomp the devil's head again and again and again. Not defending anything. Thank you, Miss Pat Blay. Not defending anything. Larry Heck, my father-in-law said, we're on a search and destroy mission. That's right. We're on a search and destroy mission. We're coming after the devil. Thank you, Tina Moody. We're coming after the devil. We're not messing around. Time is short and we've got a sword, which means the spirit of Antichrist is in trouble because just like Jesus was anointed to destroy the works of the devil, so are you anointed to destroy the works of the devil in this generation. Why? Because the Holy Ghost lives in you. Kendra said, spit in the devil's eye. I feel it. I feel it. And let me tell you something. My wife cracks me up because she feels like this just as much as I do. And I'll be out getting ready to preach and I'll literally be on the way. Thank you, Jennifer. I'll be on the way to the platform to open up my Bible, to go preach the gospel. And I'll get a text from my wife on my phone and it'll be like a, a mortal combat meme. It'll be like, you know, like Sub-Zero or somebody being like, and then she'll just put like, and it'll, the meme will be like flashing and it'll be like, finish him. And she'll be like, take the devil out today. Like she, she feels that same violent faith to go after the kingdom of darkness, <laughs> finish him. Like literally we're going after, we're on the offense. We're not on the defense. We're on the offense. We are the army of God. Amen. We're the army of God. So what am I doing? Challenging you today. Challenging you to take a step of faith and partner with this ministry. You know what I would ask you to do? Ask the Lord and say, what can I do on a monthly basis as I stand with Ted and Carolyn to finish the spirit of darkness, finish him. And so I want you to hear this, whatever the Lord is. And that's why I wanted you to pray about it. Because the Lord may speak, he's going to speak different things to different people because we're all at different levels. But I want you to do what the Lord tells you to do and stand with us as we're going after this generation for Christ. Things are turning, turning. You know, I've been so blown away to see God open the doors in such a short period of time, just even for the program to go on television, you know, and people are starting to see the broadcast now. I'm talking about other broadcasters. And we're getting messages. We air one and we have one that airs in West Palm Beach. And um, we got a message just a couple of days ago uh, that another station in Orlando wants us to go and put our program on that station. People are starting to see the program and understand it's needed. And now we've launched around the world and it's mind blowing how quickly 
the Lord is opening these doors and how quickly these things are happening. And I'm just telling you, this is going to be the most impactful year that Miracle Word has ever had. Last year was, and this year will blow last year away. It'll blow it away. You know what's exciting? You're a part of it. You're part of the elite team that's seeing these things happen around the world. So I say thank you to every person that stands with us that's believing God for increase and miracles in this generation. We're in position to see the greatest move of the Spirit we've ever seen. Do you realize how hungry people are? Janine said, how do we see the programs? I'm not sure if we put them, do we have the programs available to watch or are they not available to watch? There's, if you would like to see it, we have a, a, a few of them on our YouTube channel right now. You can go check it out. But what I want to say to you is this. Do you realize how hungry people are? One of the biggest lies that you could believe is that this is a generation that doesn't care about the Holy Ghost. I want to just give you my own personal experience. I've not been anywhere, not one place in America or around the world that when people saw the power of the Holy Spirit at work, they weren't hungry for it. Every age group. I remember preaching in a church and I was, it was a, it was a revival. It was a normal, it wasn't a youth conference. It was, it was a normal revival in a church and I'm preaching and I'm preaching hard on Jesus coming and preaching against him. And I gave the altar call. I'll never forget this night. I gave the altar call and kids started coming out of the chairs with tears running down their face, coming to the altar to be saved. That night, I'd never had had this happen before. That night in revival, every single person at the altar was under 13 years old. I mean, six-year-olds, five-year-olds sitting on the edge of their seat, watching and listening to the preaching with tears, weeping tears. I remember one little boy got out of his seat, weeping, six years old, and came, stood at the altar, gave his heart to Jesus. The whole altar was filled with everybody under 13 years old. Don't tell me kids don't feel it. Don't tell me young people don't feel it. I've seen, I've preached youth conferences all over this nation. Don't tell me you can't get teenagers to catch on fire for God. I've seen the altars packed, packed with young people, teenagers on fire for God, giving their heart to the Lord. I mean, it's, and don't tell me that the working class and that the older folks aren't hungry. Every age group, every, it doesn't matter. And see, if you believe the lie that this is a cold generation, nobody's interested One of the things I've noticed is that many churches are cold and that's why people aren't interested. People aren't interested in liturgical dead religion. They need a move of the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't attend some of these churches. That's why people don't, you know, people are cold. That's why they're not coming. No, they're not coming because you've got no fire in your church. You've got no Holy Ghost. You've got nothing that would change a life. Why would they come? I wouldn't come and I'm on fire for God. See what I mean? It's the power of God that people are hungry for. And that's what we're bringing by the grace of God into these different places. And thank you because you're going with us. You're going with us. 
And I love you. Appreciate everyone that's partnering with us, standing with us. It makes me happy that we have the opportunity to see people change before Jesus comes. Hallelujah. I love it. Don't forget, today is the day. Brand new content for the kids at MiracleWordKids.com. And uh, you can download that Bible study. You can watch the brand new video that's out today uh, on prayer. And uh, it will bless your kids. Yeah, Nancy, get them on MiracleWordKids.com. And then once again, for everybody that watched this program, got a special gift for you. I'm going to give you Mountain Moving Faith for $10 off today. Use the code MARCH10 at checkout and you can get Mountain Moving Faith for $59, five hours of teaching, uh, and it will bless you. Everybody that's sowing seeds and partnering with us in the month of March, we're sending you Brother Hagin's book, uh, The Will of God in Prayer. I love this book. Powerful man of God that's gone on to be with the Lord, but taught for his whole ministry on the power of prayer. Deep teaching. It'll bless you. (laughs) Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you, Ava. Love you, Janine. Thank you to everybody. We we appreciate you guys. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to ask my father to come and join me again at the end of this week. Uh, I'd like like him to teach one more time, and then I'd like him to take question and answers one of the days. So I'm going to ask him today, and he already told me he'd be happy to be back on the broadcast this week. So maybe tomorrow uh, we can have him teach again. And then on Friday, I would love to have Friday be a question and answer day. Uh, with my father on the broadcast where he can answer uh, questions about whatever you have. And uh, I think it'd be powerful. So we'll see you again in the morning, 1030 a.m. Friday morning again, 1030 a.m. And then again, of course, Sunday, we start in Crawfordsville, uh, Indiana, and then Detroit. So you're not going to want to miss it. Miss it. Jump on the website, get the dates, get the times, get the addresses. Come see us in Revival. I love you guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.